You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is the sermon recording from this week's service, but first, here are the readings. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 and 11 to 12. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as, it, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. To this end, we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God. Thanks be to God. A reading from Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7. (coughs) Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. This is the word of God. This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. 
and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God. You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. And now for this week's sermon. There's a wonderful old Italian joke about a poor man who goes to church every day and prays before the statue of a great saint begging. Dear Saint, please, please, please give me the grace to win the lottery. This lament goes on for months. And finally, the exasperated statue comes to life, looks down at the begging man and says in weary disgust, my son, please, please, please buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. So in our series so far, we have examined what prayer is in, term, in terms of its relationship to gratitude, persistence, and sincerity. Today, we will examine prayer's relationship to action. My joke of the man praying to win the lottery demonstrated the most literal sense of what prayer and action can mean. The man prays to God so that he may be granted something good in life. However, God's reply is that action is also required on the man's part to help this happen. So prayer and action isn't just a request that we make and we sit idly by and wait for God to do something. Instead, God requires our action to assist this process. While the man's request to win vast amounts of money may reflect a more selfish moment of prayer, I think God's requirement of our action applies to our selfless prayers as well. For example, to end world hunger or provide a cure for HIV and AIDS. After all, we are God's hand and feet to do physical work in the world. A society that looks after each other is safer and better than one in which citizens look after their own interests only. But at its heart, God requires our investment in action as a roundabout way of aiding our spiritual growth as Christians and strengthening our relationship with God and creation. Prayer, after all, is about relationship. In the reading today, we hear about Zacchaeus, a tax collector who captures Jesus' attention when he climbs a tree to see over the crowds. Jesus calls on him to climb down and effectively invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house for tea. Hospitality was an integral part of Jewish culture, so this would have been a tremendous honor for Zacchaeus. Unsurprisingly, the crowd is not happy that Jesus has chosen to accept hospitality for a man who works for Roman authorities and is also a thief. In Jesus' day, Tax collectors had a reputation for corruption, taking more than Roman HMRC required, 
instead lining their own pockets with the surplus. Being a tax collector makes a case a rich man, but also a deeply unpopular man. I tend to imagine him as a short, stuffy bloke who was probably bullied at school and so became a bit of a bully of a bureaucrat in the hope of commanding people's respect, even if that meant to defecting to the Roman side of the fence and taking what wasn't rightfully his. What is interesting in this passage is that Jesus doesn't defend Zacchaeus when the crowd protests. Instead, Zacchaeus speaks for himself, saying, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Not only is Zacchaeus admitting that he was a thief, taking money that wasn't his, it is also a bold proclamation of the action he intends to take to put right his past wrongs. Now, Zacchaeus is one of many individuals within the New Testament responding to Jesus. And these individuals are people who society considers to be among the worst of sinners. He's up there with prostitutes and adulterers. Nevertheless, Jesus accepts him as a brand new Christian filled with excitement. But at its core, this is a story about Zacchaeus' conversion and Jesus' demonstration of acceptance in full view of a society so quick to judge. What has prayer in action got to do with this story? After all, nobody is praying in it. Well, I have great affection for Zacchaeus. His bold promises remind me of how I was when I first became a Christian. And I'm sure some of you can also relate. You find God, or rather God finds you. You're overwhelmed by the experience of God's grace. You make promises that you'll dedicate your life to serving God. You'll pray on waking, eating, and going to bed. You'll read your Bible for an hour a day. You'll tithe 10% of your income. You'll even volunteer at your local soup kitchen or join an outreach ministry at church. Whatever it is, you promise to change your actions in service of God. However, I think thereafter, we each move in different directions as we grow into our Christian lives. For some, that commitment to action becomes all-encompassing. There is so much of God's work to be done in the world that you must dedicate yourself to it 24-7. For others, service takes the form of immersing oneself in studying scripture, meditating and praying so that they may grow to know God more deeply each day. If we think about Christian action as a spectrum, it might look a little bit like this. We have commitments to acts of service at one end and commitments to conversation with God at the other. I'd encourage you to consider whereabouts you'd fall on the spectrum yourself. Now, a fantastic example of two people who find themselves at opposing ends of the spectrum are Martha and Mary, who are the sisters of Lazarus, the man that Jesus raises from the dead. 
Jesus and his 12 disciples go round to Martha and Mary's house for tea. But the two sisters have entirely different responses to being in the company of Jesus. Martha feverishly beavers away in the kitchen to cook an amazing meal for everyone, whilst Mary sits adoringly at the feet of Jesus, giving him her full attention. If we were to label these two personalities, I think Martha would be a type A personality and Mary would be a type B personality. If you don't know the difference between type A and type B, this comic describes. So, whoa, 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 slow down, friend. Don't you know that sometimes you have to stop and smell the flowers? And the type A person snorts them in and effectively wins the flower smelling competition. Type B, super chill. Type A, must get things done yesterday. I love this comic. It is me to a T. And I totally empathize with Martha. We have tremendous hearts and express our love through acts of service. But we can easily get distracted by the work to be, go- work to be done and become a little like this. Okay, you get the picture. It's just complete panic and everything must be done now. Much like Martha, I can behave like this at times. When this church does Feast on Fridays, where someone would invite someone over to their house for food and fellowship, I would come home from work at lunchtime, busily cook up not one menu, but several with a vegan option as well, and also make several puddings. Even when guests arrived, I would be busy making coffees, wiping down benches, and washing dishes but I rarely made time to sit and chat to anyone. And the truth is, as a type A personality, I struggle to feel comfortable in conversation. Ask me to cater for the 5,000 and I am there for you. Ask me how my week's been and I would love the ground to swallow me up. Martha and I are all about serving God by serving others. So she cooks an epic meal for herself, Mary, Jesus, and his 12 disciples. In contrast, Mary is all about conversation with God. She sits there, listening, responding, with her full attention fully focused towards Jesus. Yesterday, I came back from a week-long trip in Italy. My time was full of pizza, gelato, and art. Along the way, I visited many Catholic cathedrals and churches. As a typical tourist, initially I entered those spaces admiring the art and the architecture in respectful silence. However, in some of the churches, there were areas cordoned off for worshippers in prayer and contemplation. I looked on with interest and secret admiration for these people, so capable of remaining still and focusing their minds solely to God. I think if you surveyed 100 people on what prayer in action looks like, many of them would say it looks something close to that. It's also something that I find almost impossible to do. My mind wanders, my my hands itch for something physical to do. I know many people, like Mary, within this church, who are able to sit still in silence and converse with God. To me, you are legends. So, the Marthas of this world are the action takers. 
The Marys of this world are the conversation holders. Now Martha eventually loses her temper with Mary, effectively saying to Jesus, look, are you going to tell her to get up and give me a hand with this or what? But Jesus doesn't admonish Martha. Instead, he gently invites her to sit with him and enjoy his company, saying that Mary chose the better option, putting off the work of preparing a meal and instead listening and chatting to Jesus. So prayer in action is all about quiet conversation with God, right? Mm. However, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, which coincidentally comes right before Martha and Mary's story in the book of Luke, we know that Jesus praised the actions of the Samaritan in helping the victim when the priests and, priest and Levite rushed past and ignored him. Samaritans were a perverted, almost pagan version of Judaism, and the audience would, most li- most, would be most unlikely to think God would hear the prayers or, um, or conversation from a Samaritan. So for Jesus, to make a Samaritan the hero of the story emphasizes that the acts of service is more important than the conversation with God in the same way that the priest and Levite would have. So, so this is confusing. Which is more important, acts of service or conversations with God? Well, I think the answer can be found in James chapter 2, in which it states, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So to be entirely Martha or entirely Mary is fruitless. Martha can serve the world over with food, but if she neglects to show love to others and God through conversation and fellowship, Her relationship with her spirit, with her brothers and sisters, and with God cannot grow as well. Mary can devote every moment of existence towards deepening her faith through contemplating God's word. But if she neglects to get up and provide her brothers and sisters with food, warmth, and comfort, she will never develop her relationship with her spirit, her brothers and sisters, or with God as well as she could. Therefore, prayer in action is about finding that sweet spot, that relationship between faith and deeds, between acts of service and conversation. Prayer in action is not about busyness, where we can easily forget to acknowledge God as the original reason why we started to serve others. Neither is prayer in action about sitting quietly, focusing on conversation with God, at the risk of neglecting to care for God's creation. Instead, prayer in action is found in that overlap between acts of service and conversation. That's where prayer in action helps relationships to grow. Relationship with our own spirituality, relationship with our brothers and sisters, relationship with God. If we only focus on acts of service, like for example, how many people we feed at Rainbow Church, but we don't converse and get to know those people that we serve, relationship doesn't grow. Likewise, if we make conversation, but don't provide for their physical need of food, warmth, and safety, again, relationship doesn't grow as well as it could. Now back to Zacchaeus and his bold proclamation of taking action to right all of his wrongs. 
So Luke likes to tell stories a bit like a European film. That is, they don't necessarily have a nice, neat resolution or spectacular ending to tie the story together for the audience. There is no Disney-style ending in which the main character has gone on a journey, meets an ob obstacle, and overcomes it to become a hero. No. Luke tends to present us with a character facing a spiritual quandary, who then receives wise words from the divine. The response of the central character, however, often remains unrevealed to the audience. This is true in the case of Zacchaeus. After he declares that he will give away all of his wealth and pay back what he's stolen from others four times over, we never find out if he actually does it. He might well commit himself to a life-serving God. In a commitment to acts of service, he might give away all of his wealth. In commitment to conversation with God, he might study, fast, and pray daily to grow closer to him. However, it is my hope for him, and my hope for all of us here, that we manage to strike a balance between the acts of service and conversation with God to find that sweet spot in prayer and action. If you're like Martha, remember to dedicate your acts of service towards God and make time to sit, talk, and get to know one, each other, one another. If you're Mary, ensure you rise up once in a while from quiet reflection to help with the plentiful work that God has given us to do by helping others. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. To find out more about what we do, head across to our website, www.northernlightsmcc.org.uk. Thank you.